0: That, that, that shoot up in the air I think those are still illegal And suddenly we have, you know, tents popping up everywhere That, that sell fireworks I, I thought fireworks were still illegal somehow and, and yet everywhere I look All of a sudden there are signs for fireworks And, and there's a tent set up in a parking lot Selling fireworks And I, I don't get it I, I don't know what's legal anymore Hey, welcome to Off-Road Welcome to the start of our summer session in which I am going to delve into the history of some local historic showplaces, some historic palaces in the area. And what this means is that I have visited five different historic movie house slash vaudeville house slash playhouse slash, uh, you know, historic showplaces. And I have uh, talked to all of the people who were around for the restoration or were around and can tell me about the historic significance of the place. And I took some pictures, and that's what's going to be going on this summer. And we're starting off this one this week with the Riviera Theater in North Tonawanda, home of the mighty Wurlitzer. But I will tell you more about that shortly and what the procedure is going to be for the rest of the summer. But first, we're going to do our final episode of our LTP Ensemble members at work elsewhere. And for our final episode of this, we have Doug Wyand, who was uh, recently inducted as a Roadless Traveled Productions Ensemble member. And Doug is working right now over there at Musical Fair to prepare A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. So Doug will be here to talk to us about uh, what's been going on with that show that had been postponed and postponed and now it's finally on the main stage at the Musical Fair Theater. So, before we move on to the Riviera Theater and talk to Neil Lang, here's our friend Doug Wyand, here on RLTP's (laughs) Off-Road. I thought it would be cool to talk to you and 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 since your show opens in just a few days really and you're probably in the midst you're probably in the midst of a lot of a lot of crap right now I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Yeah, no problem. So let's talk about this this show that you're directing, a Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. There was a lovely article about it in the Spree this month and I know you have to work with that that horrible Mark Sacco who is just a ah. <laughs> He's I'll tell you, I love his voice so much. I've said to him many times, if I had your voice, the whole world could just drop dead, as far as I'm concerned, because he's such a talent. Tell us a little bit about the show.
1: Sure, Uh, Gentleman's Guide for Love and Murder is a uh, musical that was on Broadway in the, around 2014, 2016, somewhere in that area. I think it ran for those two years. Um, And it was uh, nominated for 10 Tony Awards and won four, including Best Musical. And we planned to do it. It was actually supposed to be the the show that was coming next when pandemic shutdown happened. So we were already in production meetings and we were about to start rehearsal. And then we had to obviously shut down like everybody else did. So then we postponed it once, postponed it twice. This was the third postponement, finally scheduled, finally rehearsed. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a very funny, if you can believe it, and silly uh, musical <laughs> about... Uh, Murder. So um, it's, <laughs> it's based on the uh, the old movie called Kind Hearts and Coronets that starred Alec Guinness back in the late 1940s, I believe, where Alec Guinness played all the members of one family who were being offed by somebody who was trying to attain the earldom that that family is entitled to. So that's what the musical is based on. And Mark Sacco plays all the members of the family who are called the Dicequiths. That is their last name and uh (laughs) ricky needham plays the guy who's trying to kill them all so he's got to kill eight of them to get to the earldom and it comes from a story of ricky's character monte navarro is you know born poor lives with his mother his father died when he was young he doesn't find out till after his mother died that his mother was disinherited from the dice family and that he is entitled to some things so it's basically his revenge story but everything's handled very comically and uh you know everything from poisons to falling off of a a tower like there's there's just a bunch of ridiculous (laughs) pastiche kind of things that are done very humorously and Mark Sacco has to change back and forth something like 23 times in the show so it's (laughs) kind of incredible what he has to go through
0: does Mark play all of the other all of the members of the family
1: all of them the females and the males so he plays everybody from very old men to young men to old women to younger women not too young because i think the laws in england changed at the time where uh, after a certain generation women weren't entitled to the title at a certain point so it was only certain older women so
0: and so it's mark and ricky now who else how many other people you have in the cast i mean mark's playing a dozen people Mm -hmm. so and you have ricky needham uh how many other people in the cast
1: There's a total of eight, including them. So the other six are Jen Stafford and John May and a bunch of sort of newer people. Michelle Holden, she's been around for a while, but it's her first time at Musical Fair. Uh, John Panapinto, who's this incredible actor who's got an incredible voice. And uh, a young lady named Solange Gosselin, who just moved back to Buffalo during the pandemic and was in our last show, The Other Josh Cohen, and the last cast member is Emily Yancey.
0: Does this kind of a show where you have a guy playing multiple roles, does this kind of show present any particular problems as a, to you as a director? Were there anything that you that was particularly problematic or technically problematic? I, I'm sure the costume changes have to be done in split seconds, and I'm sure those kinds of things have to be considered when you're planning blocking and that sort of thing. But anything else? Or, or you can talk about that if you want.
1: Yeah, ultimately, it's interesting because the show, when we were originally doing it, Randy Kramer was directing it, and I was choreographing it. And then Randy decided halfway through the pandemic, he's like, he did the two shows before this one. So he was like, do you want to just do it? And I was like, great. So I'm directing and choreographing. It is just, just easier in a show like this because they all meld, all the numbers meld in scenes. So it's it does work to my advantage. But as far as what Mark's character goes, so Rand, actually Randy cast the show because Randy was directing it. I see. So the cast was there, but Mark I've known for, God, almost 30 years now. And I knew he was completely capable of it. So it wasn't going to take a hell of a lot of like, you know, you don't have to direct Mark all that often. You really just have to go, yeah, that works. Um, yeah, or maybe try that. So, but like he's getting him to distinguish the characters, and plus he's had like two years to work on it. If you think about it, so he's been playing sure, with sure. voices and all that. Um, as far as yeah, and the costuming we'll, we'll actually uh, we've you know seen all the costumes. They start running with costumes later this week, so we'll see how that works. But we actually had to hire uh, a dresser for just him because there's no way he'd make some of the changes. Sometimes he has like three lines to that. change from a man to a woman. And it's literally somebody's got to be there with the costume, zip them up and shove them back on stage. So it's that's his challenge. Ricky never changes the entire show. And everybody else in the show either plays ensemble people who are changing constantly, too, but usually pieces. And then there's the two love interests who, you know, have random scenes and they have plenty of time to change. So that's that's its own plus. So
0: now, Doug, you sort of alluded to this in this particular case. It was just easier to actually direct and choreograph you had already done the choreography you'd already planned it you'd already i imagine you might have even even rehearsed a little bit of it but to step in also as director do you find that as an advantage when you're choreographing or would you prefer just to be a choreographer and and let somebody else handle the rest of it
1: it really depends on the show in this the show like this it's not dancey you know, it's staging. It's it's trying to be clever with musical staging. It's not so much that there's like we have to dance our hearts out. If I'm doing a dance your hearts out show, I'd rather just be the choreographer. If I'm if I'm the choreographer. If you're if it's something like this though, where it's you want the movement style to be pretty consistent throughout the show, even in the scene work and the musical numbers, then I really do prefer to do both. And I learned all that stuff from Lynn Otto who I grew up with, who was my mentor, you know, for decades. Brilliant she is the master of that kind of stuff so she knows you know exactly what she's doing and i tend to follow her her standard in general when i direct and or choreograph anything like i do it all beforehand i stage it all put it on paper in my own crappy writing and then teach it because i don't like to waste people's time i don't like to come in and go like let's try this and try this and there's nothing wrong with that but i pretty much know what i want And if i give them something and it doesn't work and they have other ideas i'm more than happy to you know to incorporate those that's all cool but like i i like to be very organized and very streamlined and the show's about 2 hours long and we had it staged completely in about eight rehearsals completely done so
0: oh wonderful wonderful
1: then we've just been running it and tweaking it and playing with it and now we're starting to add the tech elements this week so
0: so it's about 2 hours long so it's not one of these huge long musicals that you're going to be sitting there for 3 hours but is it a play with music or is it what you'd what people would consider a traditional musical? How would you identify it? Is this a musical theater show, or is it more of a play that has music involved?
1: No, it's definitely a musical. There's about 25 songs in it. Wow. And this, the songs are all used for character growth. They're not just, you know, for entertainment value. They are funny and they are entertaining, you know, to their own degrees, but the songs actually serve as character growth as well, so.
0: I mean, obviously, Mark Sacco is just a wonderful singer, and you already mentioned some other great, you've got some fantastic singers in the, in the overall thing. Now, the show opens the July 7th, was it? or July 6th through August 7th. Through August 7th, that's what it is. Uh, so that's, is it Tuesday through Sunday? We do Wednesday through Sunday,
1: Wednesday and Thursday at 7, Friday at 7.30, Saturday we do a matinee at 3.30 and a 7.30 p.m., and then we do a 2 o'clock on a Sunday. So we do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, six shows a week for five weeks of so 30 performances wow. plus previews.
0: That's Saturday. yeah. That is quite a commitment. And this will be on the main stage, of course. This is not a cabaret show. This is the main stage show. Anything you have coming up for next season that you can tell us about? This coming season, I'm... At, at Musical Fair or or anywhere, anywhere.
1: Right. I'm directing and choreographing the musical Tell Me on a Sunday at Musical Fair. That's going to be in the spring. I think it opens in March. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, that's a one-woman show. Um, it's basically the first act of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Song and Dance. Okay. And It's just a one girl in her 20s who moves to New York City from England, and it's about her trying to establish her life there. And other projects I have are not announced yet, so
0: uh, that's all that's I can like okay. say right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, but you'll be busy as you are every year. And what's your official title over there at, at Musical Fair right now?
1: My day job there is I'm the marketing and production coordinator. So basically I handle the marketing for the company, and then I also do like pre-production work, you negotiations, contracts, <laughs> payroll, stuff like that. So the, the fun end the theater. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so your plate is pretty full to begin with, much less directing. Hey, are you going to be performing in anything?
1: The only thing I'm scheduled to perform in is Kinky Boots when we finally get to it. So I, yeah, that's at 7-10 next May of 2023, and it all goes as planned. Hopefully this time I'll be in that one as well.
0: Well, it's been great talking to you, Doug. I appreciate it. Good luck with the show. It sounds like it's a hilarious show with Mark and Ricky. You've got a solid core, and all the rest of the people that you mentioned all sound so terrific. So if people haven't been out to musical fair, This is a great introduction to it. Yeah, Thanks very much, Doug. I'll talk to you again soon. Hope to see you again, my friend. Take care. Thanks Thanks for having me, Pete. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. And that is our friend Doug Wyand out there in musical fair country out in Amherst on Main Street on the Damon College campus. And there's the music getting ready to start. Okay, it's the music signalling the start of this year's summer project. Another history project. This year covering the history of some of the local palaces, the local showplaces that are just gorgeous to visit. if you haven't been to any of them. And if you have, you know what I'm talking about. These places are historic in nature, they've all been restored, and they have continual programming going on. Sometimes it's still live theater, sometimes it's music or concerts, and sometimes it's a combination of both. And we're starting it off with the Riviera Theater. Now let me tell you what the procedure is going to be for this entire program of ours. First of all, I visited all of these theaters, I took along portable recording equipment, and I spoke to people who are particularly knowledgeable about the history of that particular theater and about its restoration and its continuing programming. And I took a lot of pictures, and those will also be available if you want to click on the link that is attached to these podcasts, so you can see what we're talking about. And I sat down and talked to the person about the history, and then what I did was I took a little tour with each person, and they showed me around the theater. They showed me various locations and various historical sites, and all of those are available on the Pinterest page as well. And then we talked about the future of the facility. And that's going to be the procedure for all of them, all five of the places that I visited. So let's start it off. Finally, I'll finish talking. And let's start it off with Neil Lang, whose father just recently passed away at the age of 100 years almost 100 and a half. His father was Donald Norman Lang, and he was a a, a person who was connected with the Niagara Frontier Theater Organ Society, and they were the ones who purchased the Riviera Theater when it looked like it might be demolished or sold to Rick James, who wanted to turn it into some kind of a recording studio. And they preserved it and brought it back to life. So here we go with Neil Lang, whose family was instrumental in bringing back the historic riviera theater tell me your basic connection to the whole place is from your whole family is Correct. is what tell me tell me how that worked
2: so, well, i can tell you the whole story so okay. ni- 1970s Dad was working at WBR radio. That was his WBR, WBR, Mm -hmm. 970. That was his whole career, uh, 40 some years of of WBR. They would get free organ concert tickets. Uh, Randy Piazza, who was the chairman of the board at that time, would do publicity by sending these free tickets to the radio stations. Well, Dad would get free tickets. So every month we got to go to organ concerts. In August of 1980, the console actually broke during an organ concert and randy piazza who was the MC of the show said anybody who knows anything about anything we need you to come and volunteer (laughs) so dad myself and my oldest brother steven we looked at each other and we said well let's go down on a saturday morning and see what what's up so that, we,
0: we know something about
2: something. Yeah, yeah we, that's what we said. Yeah, we, 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 we liked the concert, so we, we decided to come down. So that was August 23rd, I remember the day. So we came down, and we got the tour of what it was like. It was a disaster. The organ had originally was done with all white cotton-covered wire, so there was no way of telling what problem was where. You couldn't trace things down. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it was a nightmare. Uh, Dad described it as a, a rat's nest. Oh. So after a three-hour tour... We got out to the car, and Dad proclaimed, "I'm not never going back there again." Oh. And, so, and what year was this again? 1980. 1980. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. August of '80. So then um, I said to Dad, "said Dad, let's just go down one more time and see <laughs> see what it is," and one more time led to our, our legacy here. We we've, we've been here ever since.
0: So so you went to to check out the organ, but what was the condition of the place at that time? The whole
2: theater was a, a whole disaster. The organ was was horrible, but because the theater was being run by a for-profit organization, they didn't have money for repairs. So seats were falling apart. If you sat in a seat, you had a 50-50 chance of falling through. They, it was dirty. Uh, balcony floors were never clean. So if you were in the balcony, you stuck to the floors, literally stuck to the floors.
0: What was and, it being um, used as? A movie yeah, house? As a movie
2: house. They, did, they were doing movies, and also they had Saturday night comedies, um, which was what made them money. They didn't make money on movies. Mm-hmm. They were making money on that Saturday night, but they could not afford to stay in business. Um, in fact, by the mid-'80s, uh, the owners then came to uh, our organization, which at that time was called the Niagara Frontier Theater Organ Society, and they proposed that we give them $25,000, uh, to keep the place going, which our organization said, no, we, we can't do that.
0: Okay, i got to stop you a second. I, the Niagara it, Frontier Theater Organ Association, your connection with it? To, with that that was, was the group.
2: So that is the group that was coming in here on Saturdays to fix the organ. Oh. And then once a month on a Wednesday evening, they produced, and they rented the theater, we rented the theater to produce an organ concert.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So that was the group. So yep. that group actually started in the late 1950s as the Niagara Frontier Theater Organ Enthusiast. And they were working on various organs around Western New York. In 1964, the word was that Western New York was going to be a site of the National American Theater Organ Society Convention. And so that group decided to come here and get the Wurlitzer in playing order. And at that point, they Decided that this was going to be their location to focus all their work. Wow. So by 1964, the organization was coming in here and working Saturday morning. Now, was it because
0: there were so many theater organs? In, I know you have the mighty Wurlitzer, but right. other theaters, probably other theaters that I'm going to visit, uh, is it because there are so many because the Wurlitzer plant was just down the road right. here and because there are so many other theater organs in town? Yep, and
2: not necessarily mm. Wurlitzer organs, but almost every so silent movie houses at the time had had a choice if they were really really rich they could have a full orchestra in the pit to accompany the silent movies if they were a middle like us yes. they would have a wurlitzer which was like a organ orchestra all mm-hmm. uh, with one person playing <laughs> and if they were poor they had a piano mm-hmm. to accompany so we were in in the the middle range and we were very fortunate that we were in North Tonawanda because course willitzer sure used us as their demonstrator so oh. they came here after the installation they came here to demonstrate what a, a pipe organ would sound like mm-hmm. now of course 1926 we opened december 30 to 26 we open and by 1927 the jazz singers out there with, with oh. sound
0: with sound i mean, sure.
2: with with, with not not sound like we know it. Of no, it was a, but like it, was the talkie, it was the first talkie, and so made a big difference. And, so, and it made a big difference because it was doomed. The organ was doomed; that it was it would go into disrepair, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened. By the, the late '30s, the organ was was almost unplayable.
0: Now, do you know if the it, it was the theater at that time used for vaudeville and and other live acts, or, or even it, it, or even theater itself? Uh, I mean, dramas and. And comedies and sort of things, or was it, did it go from a movie house, like a silent movie house, right, first with the, with the Wurlitzer, and then go right into talkies and just film?
2: Well, it was never a vaudeville house because vaudeville <clears throat> is really this whole component of, of very specific acts. I see. But there were live shows on stage, mm-hmm. but the major focus for most of the years, the Riviera, was movies. I see. Uh, and movies, of course, uh, in the 30s and 40s, was, a, was an event. You, you didn't just go to <laughs> oh, see yeah. a movie. You got all your news. You had they had bingo, <laughs> a keno on stage. They had all these giveaways. It was it was a whole day long activity. The kids would go on a Saturday morning and they would stay there for a day. And they, and they would be entertained, and they oh, would be entertained. And so cool. so this was a, a community pub for people to be in.
0: Okay, so now the – tell me again the name of the Niagara – was it the – It was the, the Niagara, Niagara Frontier, Frontier – Theater Organ. Enthusi- Theater Enthusi-
2: Organ Enthusiasts. Enthusiast. Okay, that so they the come start. in
0: to work on the uh, – Yep,
2: they come uh, in to work on the Mighty World, Still 1980? This is – well, they, they come in, in in 1964 to work. Okay. So but, by the late 60s, they changed themselves to – a society to mirror the National American Theater Organ Society. Wow! So there was a national group that was doing this, and to, they joined that national group, and so they changed their names to the Niagara Frontier Theater Organ Society.
0: Mm-hmm. Were which, these people who were just fans of the of the organ, or were they enthusiasts? It. But or were they also technicians and, and people who could literally maintain and repair organs
2: randy piazza said it best when he said if you know anything about anything because that's what <laughs> that's what those those people were most most of them did not have extensive knowledge but there were the few that did and they passed on their knowledge mm-hmm. so i remember bob bob steven was was just so knowledgeable about the organ. Um, a guy, his last name was and Bueller, he just was so knowledgeable about the organ. So he, they passed on that knowledge. So even, even I, in the early years, knew how to trace down problems. I knew oh. how to fix pneumatics and and, and fix magnets and all. <laughs> oh <my> I learned <laughs> because they taught us how to do it. Sure. And so, you know, and I, and I, I still probably to this day could go up and, and use the tang turner, because that's what that little thing that holds a magnet is called a tang. I could do the tang turner and I could pull a magnet during a concert and I could clear the dust out of it and put it back and make it work. Uh, <laughs> wow. They were they were they were great teachers. Oh and I they, bet.
0: And, and so the, the history. And keeping that knowledge alive by teaching young guys right that, you know how, how, how to do it. So now th- that's how your family gets so involved? So that's how we 80s? got involved
2: because we went to the free organ concerts and mm-hmm. then we we had the breakdown and we we got involved. So by eighty three eighty four, 84 dad and I are on the board of directors. Because there's nobody, nobody else that wanted to be on the board of directors, mm-hmm. so we're on the board of directors. And by '86, when Randy retires, I become the chairman of the board. Dad didn't want to be the chairman of the board, so I became the chairman of the board.
0: Congratulations! <laughs> uh, so, congratulations! Right? That right, sure, right. yeah. so was. Uh, and then was uh, a curse. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I, you know, I got to tell you, I, I love this place. It is, it's such a passion, and. You know, now since losing dad, this is absolutely. Sure. This is like his shrine.
0: Okay, so so now let's talk about the renovations and how how it all, because as you said in the '80s, when you were first, place was really, not well kept. (laughs) That's for sure. That's one way of putting it. So, so
2: let let, I'll just uh, finish the uh, the thought process of the. So, '88, the theater owners figure out they can't afford. To run this theater anymore and they announced they're going to put it up for sale rick james i don't know if you're familiar with rick Rick james i
0: interviewed his brother Leroy johnson
2: okay put a um a bid in he wanted to gut the theater and make it into a video recording studio oh Uh, the owner's father eddie baker was a stage name doc bebco he was a chiropractor he was a theater organ enthusiast and he insisted that the organ society gets first shot Told his son, this is what I want. And so working with in August of 88, we reached an agreement with with the owners that we were going to purchase the building. I see. And then it became a it became a really battle because our board of directors only thought about the Mighty Wurlitzer. So there was five of us, it was my mom, my dad, myself, and Craig and Laura Whitley. The five of us saw the vision of owning the building and keeping the Mighty Wurlitzer. Versus seven other board members that said, "Well, why are we going to spend our money mm. when all we want is the organ?" The organ. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was a, a very tenacious time, but we. Um,
0: they didn't oh. start a, like a bidding war. Rick James wanted it. Oh, he, no, the good part he, he just was, was Rick, his hands James, of
2: it. Rick James was on the lam. He was in Japan. <laughs> he was in Japan, and he couldn't come back into the country. So that was that was a that was a great time for us. You know, when you talk about somebody working above, yes. that Rick James was working the, the magic of somebody else, I and see, I and see. Uh, so he couldn't get into the country, and he couldn't. So and it was so it was simply we agreed that we would purchase the theater with the help of then Mayor Betty Hoffman. She was. Phenomenal, North Tonawanda mayor. Um, She worked with us, gave us all of her her resources, worked with mom and dad. Dad had just retired. He retired in 87 and drove mom crazy for a year. The theater (laughs) went up for sale in 88, and so they became this loving couple again. They were learning how to raise money. They, they had a on. mission. They had a mission, they had a mission. It was, yeah. you know, once again, I talk about that magic spirit <laughs> up above, that's what it was, because they would have been, they would have been divorced <laughs> uh, after after that year. But uh, this became their child, this was their the, child. Yeah. It, literally, it was their, you know, there were seven kids, but but this became their next kid. There must have been a great
0: deal it. of fundraising and so on due to, because hey. once the, not just the purchase of the building, but that's, I mean, that's one financial hit. But then to come in here and say, how long did it take to get it back into this condition? And, and I'm, I'm not asking numbers how much, but it must have taken a while. It, it took about three years, but monetarily it took almost
2: nothing. And I, I can
0: because Because of, because uh, of volunteers, donations of
2: volunteers. Volunteer. So the first thing, when we first took over in 89, the first thing we did in December of 89 is got rid of smoking and that was so controversial because it wasn't a law yet. Not yet and we we said no we're we're done with smoking in here because we knew what it was doing yes so got rid of smoking that next february year after we owned it we started a seat save our seat campaign uh, with the help of the ghost like theater they were they were uh, here doing shows on the stage and their crew also cleaned the theater uh, they cleaned volunteer cleaning every saturday sunday Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights, they cleaned.
0: So Ghost Light Theater, which is a community theater, community theater group, uh, had been in here. Mm-hmm. Do you know how long they had been? Uh, so
2: before us. They, they were in here in the early 80s, I believe. Okay. And, and through through a, a, probably 10 years that we owned it, they were here. So oh. so probably 20 years they were in here. Okay. But they really bought into this idea of volunteering and, and, and cleaning. So mm-hmm. that, that was a, a godsend. So... We started the Save Our Seats campaign, and we, if you notice a little plaques on the, yes. every seat, so mm-hmm. we solicited donations for in the community, and $25 a seat initially, then $35. We raised the money for the supplies, but we had a volunteer crew that every Tuesday and every Saturday, they came in here in two rows at a time. They dismantled the seats, they cleaned the seats, they reupholstered the seats, everything when we took over in february 4th february 14th 89 valentine's day what a better day for a labor of love <laughs> to save the marriage <laughs> right? save the marriage <laughs> and it really it's a, it's a thing of love so sure um yeah and those first the first like month and a half there was about seven of us that volunteered every single night for shows because we just didn't have volunteers but mom sat at the uh taking tickets and every single person that came in, she asked them if they'd like to be a volunteer. That was her. That was her. Oh, it's a great theater. It's all. It's all volunteer. Would you like to be a volunteer? And she was able to recruit this whole legion of, of people to volunteer. And what so, was the
0: programming at that time? It was movies. movies? We were doing
2: strictly movies. Okay. And and Saturday we did the comedy night still. Okay. Um, the former owners still rented from us to do the comedy nights here. I see. And so, so you know, a stand-up comedy, stand-up like comedy, like a yep. like
0: a comedy club. Right? Yeah, likely, like a, club yeah, thing.
2: yeah so then after the seats got going we said well, you know, we really have to do something about this dirty ugly place so the previous owners had painted everything pink heptobismal pink and they painted <laughs> over and they painted over
0: everything it was I all p- of this gold and all uh, of this yeah beautiful well colors. They, didn't, they
2: actually didn't paint over the proscenium or the organ chambers uh-huh so that those weren't painted over, but all the walls, all the uh, columns there were all painted over. Everything was pink. And the lobby was pink. So we decided that we were going to first, a volunteer group, work to make the lobby look nice. Mm-hmm. So First
0: impressions as you walk in. First yep. impressions, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Yep. At, at that time, when we took over, they had all amber light bulbs. 25-watt ambers so you couldn't see because it, so, <laughs> it, it was so It was dirty. so dirty. They, right? didn't, want they didn't want to show it. it, so they knew how bad it was. So oh, we, we worked on the the lobby. And, and then after the lobby got done, somebody that was an organ concert attendee who was a owner of Roe Bisonite, who was a big paint company in North Tonawanda, they were shutting down. And they came to us and said, you know, we have this whole inventory of paint. Would you like paint? to keep working. So, of course, uh, it was uh, myself, Eric Matakosh, Carl Tamberlin, and Dave Henry, the four of us said, yeah, yeah. So the four four of us crazy people who were all working, uh, but we were all young then, we all said, yeah, give us the paint. And so that from that donation, we were able to do this in two years. We painted the auditorium.
0: But this is it's such a huge... It, this so, looks like it, this couldn't have been done by a bunch of guys. It, it was looks done like it had by been professionals.
2: No, it was done by a bunch of guys. And a bunch I was, of guys. I was the decorative painter. So, okay. All right. So, okay. So, so you did the, so the, the delicate I did work. Any any of the delicate work in here uh-huh. is is me. They they were base coders. They were base coders with the exception of the front of the balcony. That Phil Utech, uh, um, a, a really young kid that just said, I want to do something, and so he came in. And he did that.
0: But you, you would huge never scaffolding and everything to well, get up You'd Well, be like well, uh, let's let's talk
2: forty foot ladder oh, on yeah, that yeah. side. So we painted that whole side with a forty foot ladder. I'm
0: getting dizzy just hearing it right?
2: tell me. This is a guy that was petrified of heights. <laughs> I learned not to be. So that side was a forty foot ladder, and then the city was able to get a scaffolding. So we got the North Tonawanda donated scaffolding for our use. So from that point, we were able to put scaffolding up and do in the proscenium, although most of the proscenium was done on a 40-foot ladder, but this side. And then the dome. Now, the dome, dome is a really great story because the dome, the scaffolding wasn't tall enough. Now, the chandelier that's in the middle came from the Genesee Theater in the city of Buffalo. And in the 70s, the Oregon Society purchased that and installed it there. That chandelier lowers down. So we lowered the chandelier all the way down, took it all apart. And then we had another crew cleaning it. So they scrubbed and literally scrubbed with with pure ammonia. We had to open up all the doors because it was so dirty from all the cigarette smoke and all that stuff. So they scrubbed the chandelier crystals. While our group painted up here, but the scaffolding wasn't tall enough to get us up to the top of the dome. So we and put, you can't get there through we, some attic. Oh, room? you can, but not to paint. Not, not, to, not, not, to, not to get paint. to yeah, the outside. To, yes. yeah. So we put a 12-foot A-frame ladder on top and painted it <laughs> on top of the scaffolding. And the best the best part of the story oh, is this though is scared though, me we, to right. Me too. I would never, at this point in my life, do it. Sure. But then I was a little kid. We had somebody from the Tanawanda News come in and take a picture and publish it. On the first, unbeknownst to us, okay. publish it, published it on the first p- front page in the newspaper. So we thought for sure when we saw that, like OSHA is going to come. Uh, yes, nothing,
0: somebody's nothing, gonna, nothing,
2: nothing. Okay. So, you know, we we're lucky and blessed. and everything. <laughs> it's just so, some kids. <laughs> it was, It's just some right. Some stupid kids yeah, that are doing now, it. Now,
0: so. let me ask you this, because this is a question I should have asked first. But when did this building go up originally? So how many years of dirt and dust and smoke were you cleaning off?
2: construction started in january of 25
0: mm-hmm. at the same
2: time that shays yes. downtown was opening this building was starting to be built and we opened december 30th of, of 26. so it was during that period of time no it was in 26th january of 26 it started being built and we opened at the end of the year december 30th of 26 so that period of time that year up until then, I don't think this building was ever, ever cleaned. No, ever. except for uh, some sweeping of the floors, floors and things, but
0: nobody's has it cleaned. Nothing up dome. there was
2: repainted. The only thing that, that I know that changed in the 40s, new seats were put in. Mm-hmm. So the 40s is like our, our period of time that we focus on, because that's really when most of the changes were done. New seats were put in. Up until that point, there were wooden seats. An air conditioning system. So the vents that you see down yes, there see. Mm-hmm. and the vents up there and the vent in I the can, dome. I can see the thing in the dome. Yeah, you can see the air moving. Those were not there in the original building. I see. So they put in an air conditioning system with a carrier air conditioner. So carrier of sure. of Angola. As well as well. Yes, he, so, went, to, he so went to Angola they, High he, yeah, School. Right, yep, right, yeah, right, right. There you years go. Years yep. So, so carrier. And we still had that. When we took over... That system was still operating here, but it was a water in, water out system, and so we paid the bill for not only for the water coming in, mm-hmm. but for double for the sewer going out for water that was just cooling. So it was just we just could not afford
0: to. Keep so now, doing you, you, as you're redoing, rem- not remodeling, but as you're re- revitalizing this theater, what did you have to work from to know the color patterns, and or or did you not? Well, Is these all- are
2: not. I can tell you these are not the real colors. First of all... There the, was no way of knowing, really. Well, there, no color I, photography. I, could, I could tell you what... Because I took pictures through the dirt oh. of what was there. <laughs> so we were very, very fortunate that whoever did the Pepto-Bismol painting... Yes. ...was a bad painter. So they did not cover very, very well. So I, I, I see. could see, like like these gold stripings up here, I could see right through the painting. I see. It was all, it was all part of it. But we pretty much did the colors that we knew we pretty much did the colors that we were donated.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh
2: um, I got you. So that was that's what we we went on. We knew and I knew. At you that paint point, with
0: the with the paint you have available. Oh yeah, we, we knew that
2: that we were just repainting we weren't renovating I see. Um, first of all the colors are, are way too shiny bright it wouldn't have ever been a theater of this time hmm. you, you know chaise buffalo looks like in their color palette sure that would be the color palette here as well mm-hmm. so this, this is definitely too bright when we did the uh, proscenium with all the fruit and stuff around there I still to this day do not know how they do it but there's a way of doing a color behind the gold so you get to see colors of fruit that show through the gold if you look at Shays pristine if they, they whoever did that they knew how to do it but we did what we could see through we did the intention of of what it was the pattern that's stenciled on the walls on each side there yes. that is the pattern ah. i was able to get down far enough to see the what i call what the it dead look- man's fingers mm-hmm. pattern up there and mm-hmm. so that was the pattern that was was up there but once again i'm sure that's way too bright for what it was What it would intended. originally have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was our color palette based on what was donated, and then, like all the gold paint, the volunteers purchased. We just because we didn't have money here, so we all just spent our money but buying. But did you the have paint, nobody
0: so. who was an expert at this? Were you all just learning on the fly? We were
2: all learning on the
0: because fly because it looks. I mean we all learned on
2: the fly All right, so, has it
0: been redone since
2: then it has not been redone since well, then this my is, god what a spectacular this is, this is, job is, you guys well, did. but my dream and always has been since the very first piece of paint we put on this wall would have a real professional restoration not mm. a reno not a repainting but a restoration which would make this look like it looked in 1926. 1926, and that would be the, the the ultimate dream is to
0: see. Well, this. you got four years before the hundred year anniversary. Right. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't think
2: four years is going <laughs> to do it. But,
0: but honestly, what 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 do you think would be so different in a restoration? It's almost. Well, I almost hate to see them cover up what. Well, and that and that and done. that may
2: be part uh, of a restoration. Would be the the where it's the the burgundy color sound panels back there Mm -hmm. those really should be done in in a tapestry so sound panels of course happened not immediately in the beginning it was just painted walls al fresco painted but after they discovered that this became an echo room they had to put up sound panels i understand so the sound panels should be covered in tapestry yeah, and, and like I said, the the colors are are, are too bright. They're, they're they're just too shiny in their, their They're texture. beautiful, they but have, they're not. They're beautiful, what but they're they not here. They're not period, Right. Was um, was
0: the building given some kind of historical designation? Yes.
2: Yes. We we are protected by the uh, national,
0: national historical, historical, historical register. register.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that was in 1980 that happened. So that was did that limit your?
0: Don't... Did that limit what you could do? The sad part about the, that
2: registry. Is it only protects the outside of the building, really? And then the inside of the building, if you have government money coming into it, and we have not been blessed with government money, so that's you know, that's the the part. And 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 after we've done what we've done, now I would be hard pressed to have anybody touch anything here. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if somebody were to say, oh, let's put Barco loungers in for our seating. <laughs> Like at a Regal
0: Cinema or something? Like a Regal Cinema. I I,
2: I would have a very hard time thinking that that's okay because our mission is to be an educational not-for-profit. So we are teaching what the theater was like in our period of time is the 1940s. The marquee that we had restored, I don't know, 10 years ago maybe now, that is the 1940 marquee. And so when we decided that the marquee was going to come down, we were very deliberate saying, do we want to take us back to the 1920 rectangular marquee with an upright, or do we want to focus on our major time of renovation, which was the 40s? I see. And so that was our decision. The seats are the 40s. The the ventilation system is the 40s. The marquee was the 40s. So we, we decided that the 40s was going to be our period of
0: focus. Here's a little aside. I probably was here in the 60s because I I think this is where my dad took me because I wanted to see the music, the rock group, The Birds. And I think they performed on this stage. So they must have been doing, if I'm right, so they must have been doing concerts or something else. I don't recall that it was a common thing but somehow, maybe the birds manager just searched around for yeah. a, a venue and and found a place to...
2: Yeah, I don't know if in the 60s... That's way
0: before your Yeah,
2: connection. I don't know, it's, but I know in the 70s and in the 80s, mm-hmm. there were rock groups and stuff that would sporadically... They rent mm-hmm. the, the theater and they would do shows here.
0: The theater is self-maintaining now. Uh, it, it's oh, doing very well. You have so many different acts coming in here so so much music i mean i see it every week in the gusto and i look and see you know and everything from live acts like like mike randall this week and live music and tribute acts and so on and so forth no films no films. okay not that i'm i'm not i'm not you know lobbying for it but i'm just wondering i am lobbying for them
2: our name changed. We became the Riviera Theatre and Oregon Preservation Society. Wow. So we included the Riviera Theatre as part of our mission and our, and our focus. And But we still are an educational not-for-profit, and our mission still is to train theatre organists and to promote the mighty Wurlitzer. So those are very clearly stated in our, our charter. And so I would love to see more movies. And we start, have started to do silent movies, so... Oh, I'm getting a how, little how bit more. I'm getting a little bit more enthusiastic. But I really think that we need to. And you have your organist. We have organists that do play. We have we have house organists
0: that that oh, do cool. play. So oh, it's cool. cool. Yeah, it's cool. Well, it's, do you mind if we just look around uh, a little absolutely. bit? Absolutely. I, I have a absolutely. few other questions I want to ask. Well, we can go up whichever way you sure, want. Sure, I got to go this way. This okay.
2: Is, the uh, only way up on the stage is this way right now. Oh, here's the organ. Look at that thing. And there's lots there's lots of organ stuff too. That you know, it was. Um, a demonstrator model, as I said. It was a very strange configuration because it had what was called an oberhorn on it. was was never done for an organ of this style. Mm. The original organ articles about the opening of the theater call it an ivory console. So we have no idea when it was painted, but we theorize that because Wurlitzer also did band organs, and this was painted in a band organ style that they came in and they they did this to demonstrate their expertise at band organ there is one other or worlitzer that is very similar to this i don't remember what city it's in but it's very very similar in the, the painting you can see this in very very bad shape in fact we're working right now to have a professional uh artist come in and restore it. one of our volunteers came in i don't know 20 years ago and um Decided that the lady's breast over here had to be covered, so he put the swath of hair down there, changed the hand and arm on this one here. So oh, that's, it was thank
0: God they covered that up. That would have been
2: scandalous. It was. So that's how it should be. And then they changed the comedy and tragedy over on the side here. So that all is gonna be repaired back to an original an original looking. But the organ is not pure to what it was in twenty six. As various theaters around Western New York closed, the Organ Society brought pipes from those theaters to augment this this organ. So there's, there's I think there's 10 more ranks on here than there was originally. Wow. There also is the, what's called a 32 foot resultant, which is a combination of two pipes when the the wavelengths come together, mm-hmm. it makes it sound like a 32 foot pipe. Oh, there's wow. not enough space in this building to house 32 <laughs> foot ranks, but but it makes it sound like yeah. others. So there's a lot of how many ranks are there on here right now, Al? Fifteen. And what was it originally? Um, 11. eleven. Okay, okay well, so eleven to 15. In my
0: ignorance, what does ranks mean? Groups of pipes. Groups of pipes.
1: A rack is
2: a, is a set of pipes. A yeah. set, of pipes. Yes. set of pipes. In
0: other words,
2: it's an, it's an, instrument. It's an instrument. Okay. Right. And I got so you. They, they came in and came in and came in. And so a lot of the things that you see around are because of the silent movies. So we have a whole toy counter up in one of the chambers that does sound effects, horses hooves, and, <laughs> and all, these, all these cool things.
0: So what is, well, aside from the organ, what is remaining here from the original technology of the theater. I mean, you can look around and see all sorts of modern things.
2: Even the organ is not original. So by the 1990s, we made a decision, we the board of directors, that if we wanted to be able to reproduce the sound of the Mighty Mm Wurlitzer, we had to digitalize. And so we actually, and Dad led that campaign he was and he did the the, most of the work with the the crew he was the crew chief at that point so it's now computerized although all the sounds are still the pipes the pipes make the sound but to get the signal from when they push the key down up to the chambers instead of going through all those cotton-covered wires that were unreliable they now go through uh, an electronic fiber fiber optics and take it up there and the computer up there tells it what to do. That so is fascinating. That, that was a, a, a big decision, and we had a lot of people that were against it, but our response was, if we want this to last forever and ever, yes, we need to update up, it. Upgrade, sure, sure. In fact, just before uh, Dad passed, Dad and I had the conversation that we really have to start thinking about upgrading the upgrade, mm. because the technology that we used 30-some years ago is not the technology that's available now and to get replacements is is getting harder and harder and harder for components that things go wrong in the computer i bet so I we bet. have to look in xylophone
0: oh my god yep so now are these are those pipes up the there the pipes
2: up there are not original to the organ okay uh they came from another theater but these are all all foundation pipes this is this is a set of 16 foot strings so but they're all working they uh-huh. all they all make sound gorgeous yeah, the system that's original is the heating system. Still, <laughs> the, although the boiler isn't the original boiler, it's still the original but, but radiators. The radiators yeah. it's still a radiant heat. And, and the marimba is a great story because the marimba, this model that we have here, is one that Willitser only produced for six months. And then they gave up on it because it was so unreliable. So through all our years, we had a volunteer groups that kept repairing it. But it would never work. Till finally, <laughs> finally, this uh, gentleman Paul Cooper said, "Oh, we should do it like this." And he milled all of the, the shafts, the rod shafts, and it's the most gorgeous sounding instrument. It works so well. If if Wurlitzer was still around, they would have hired him to to fix it. But it's Look at
0: just the hammers. It's, yeah, it's that it needs a dusting. Uh, <laughs> well, you can see looking. So at do
2: it. I. Yeah, yeah. but it's, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So you know, once again, a volunteer. The, the chimes and the, the, yep, the, the, the play from the console
0: yeah i'm going to come come back around because i sure when i'm finished recording i just want to be able to take quick pictures and not stop and adjust things
2: but. so when we took over there yeah, was the pin rail a, system there was a rope system mm-hmm. that was sandbags, sandbags yeah. so that's what was here and then over on this side here the lighting system was the 1940s lighting system um, that controlled three bars of red blue and yellow lights those were the, the lights yep, here yep. that were over up above too and there were footlights here that were controlled by there and that controlled the whole house so, so we th- this is all new all new all new Man, uh, look how high we, we were is. able to get a grant
0: yeah all the way up to the is, there's there's the been no addition to the building no addition to the building no no so it's uh, so that's what uh, 50 100 how oh i don't know how tall it is but <laughs> it's, i'm gonna guess 60 feet okay uh, I couldn't. I couldn't even begin to guess. And, and, and where's to, the part that's a, that's part of the the original lighting system? It's gone. Oh, it's, it's gone. gone. Okay. It was
2: over. It was over here. It was over there. Yeah, but, yeah, but that's all gone. Yeah, it was just so unreliable that, and to do, to do uh, real shows, you need to have a reliable lighting system.
0: Right. Just those border lights. That's what all theaters had in those days. Yeah, that's what just, it was. Just yep. the red, white, and blue, yep. or red, yep.
2: you know, yep. amber, three, and blue. Three ranks of groups of lighting, bars of lighting there, and that was. That's what your stage I, was. I
0: can't get over how high, because you can do a lot of. Well, you can see. What is oh, it's just like, a full Is fly. this the movie screen here? Yep, that's the movie screen yeah. there. So when we first. So fly over, space, you could run. You, you could you could do Broadway shows. Oh right right. Here. right. It's so high.
2: Yeah, yeah. Except, except they have to be electronically controlled to do a Broadway show now. But uh, why uh, what do I know? But yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, when we first came in, the movie screen was was a, a curved screen. Okay. So it was the biggest screen. In western New York because the stage was able to house it and so you had a special lens for the and we did in the carbon arc projectors are still up there so we showed everything with carbon arcs and sure. it was great and then finally we just said a flat screen is we don't need to claim anything so flat screen was easier because then what gave us a whole lot more room oh yes oh there. there's
0: just there's just a ton of room up there I can't get over was this also a pit yes
2: so when we started here, when, you know, Dad and I and my mm-hmm. brother started here, this had housed all of the different parts of theater organs that were, were scavenged. So there was a player piano down here. All of the stuff that's on those two carts back here was all down in the pit here, as well as some various other instruments that moved their way up to the chambers and stuff. Yes. But because we saw the value of having a pit, we decided to move, Everything up to the carts, so now it gives us a, a free pit system.
0: Well, I, uh, you, you decide you where else it? you no, want to show me. I'll show you the basement. Okay, it's, sure. It's dressing rooms, the dressing rooms. I just love the history of this stuff. That's that's why I'm doing these historical programs because
2: well, I'm so glad you are. This is just an
0: excuse for me, honestly. It's just an excuse for me to go and just ogle these things.
2: This is where the original air conditioning system
0: blew through. This was the
2: water part of it. Water used to trickle down through here. I see. So this is still the, uh, the system It just is the air system. So there was a dressing room back in that corner there. Uh-huh. There was one dressing room and then there was a dressing room in this space here originally. Mm-hmm. So those are the two places. That room is the blower room for the organ, and that housed the um, pneumatic components originally. Well, if
0: they didn't have live acts here except for me, what were the dressing rooms?
2: Well, the dressing was for the few live acts that were here. Okay. This room here was the usher's changing room. Oh. So there, there were lockers in here. So the ushers came in here. They, they met with their team leader down there, mm-hmm. and they got changed into their uniforms, and then they reported for duty up above.
0: Make sure I haven't paused this. I'm just so nervous every time. My biggest fear is that I, you and I are going to have this lovely talk, and then I'm going to go home and listen, and nothing will be there. We <laughs> the all erased, and I'll have to call you and say, uh, Neil, can I come back? <laughs> and the, the answer is sure. Well, the, the, I'll tell you, the, the tour was, was terrific. I, I don't even know what I'm going to be able to do with all these pictures. Because I, I, I could bore you because I could tell you everything about this whole place. <laughs> well you, you there's t- so many wonderful You gave stories. me the, the important stuff. but So the question I wanted to ask you, and I asked you before, but I'm going to ask you again, and you can repeat it. What is the impact of this, this building and the restoration of this building on this town?
2: Without the Riviera Theater, Webster Street would be would be a bowling alley. It was it was <laughs> that's my favorite expression. The bowling alley. That's what that's what this was when we first were in here. Uh, any evening, without film people coming to see movies, this street was empty. There was just nothing happening here. Mm-hmm. Nights we were closed, totally empty, because it was a, a closure business at five o'clock. That was the mentality: close on Wednesdays, open early on Saturday mornings for a few hours, and shut everything down at five o'clock.
0: Was there a lot of retail that, that picked
2: there up? Was still, there was still retail here. There was, there was uh, Murphy's across the street, mm-hmm. which is, but they still followed suit. They closed at 5 o'clock. They didn't stay open, so this, this just emptied. And, and now what is downtown is, is amazing, amazing. I guess I guess you go back to Nestor's. Nestor's is the only thing that stayed open. Nestor's Hot Dogs, where Webster's <laughs> Bistro is now, uh, they stayed open 24 hours, but they were, still weren't busy. Um, but now, now we have uh, Webster's, the Bistro, gourmet French cooking down there on mm-hmm. Webster Street. And on Webster Street, we have a great Dwyer's next door to us. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal classy drinking establishment it's not not a, a dive it's, it's just a, yeah, it nice, was a, a biker bar it was a biker bar yeah this, was a, this was a biker bar Avis Avis was a strip bar over here and I don't even know if Alexander's strip club is still uh, over on um, well down the, I'll go check it, yeah, check it I'll it out check it out go see it and let me know um, <laughs> <laughs> but that that was the seediness of this neighborhood um, when we first came in here and with the growth of the theater and now with the sheer number of people that come into this building
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, every weekend Restaurants just blossomed around this area because people are going to these these fine restaurants. They're not little little mom-and-pop shops. These are fine restaurants to eat at. Fine.
0: Okay, this is the last question. So you, I think you already told me a little bit about some of your dreams. You'd like to show more movies here. What's, what's in the future that, that you know is going to happen, and then what would you like to see happen?
2: Well, what we need to have happen and that's in the the planning stages right now is we need better restrooms we have four places in the men's room and two places in the ladies room downstairs and certainly, I don't know how shows operated back in the 30s, 40s, 50s. I guess they didn't go to the bathroom. but but Ladies were just out of luck, weren't they? Yeah, just out of luck. Yeah, they, they're they in the short end. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and so, absolutely, that, that is in the works right now is uh, much, much better bathroom facilities. We have to move the, the bars that we have during shows. That's in the works as well um, to, to take care of. Of those A greater numbers and green room space, so that our acts that are coming in here don't have to go down into the basement into the 1930 40 spaces they're just not conducive to shows. Mm-hmm. So those are the things that are I know that are in the works in right works. now. What 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 I'd love to see what I'd love to see is a return to the real look, the renovation. A complete of, of restoration. Yeah, complete restoration, the return to what it would have looked like in 1926. I would I would just love to, to see that happen, um, to have that that feel in here that you really were walking into 1926 slash 1940, because I always keep that window of, of 1940. And, and then the other thing that I would love to see is a dedicated, huge crew for the mighty Wurlitzer. Our crew that at one point was probably 25, 30 people that would come in here on Tuesdays and Saturdays is just down to a handful. And we really have to find a way of, of getting enthusiasts to come in and just learn. Mm-hmm. And As I said earlier, if you know anything about anything, you can learn. These yeah. guys can teach. I mean, Al is, is just a wizard in, in what, what he did. And he, Al takes my dad's knowledge. So dad taught Al. And Al now has Dad's knowledge, and Al just knows how everything works, and it's phenomenal. Wow. So that, that that really that's of, of the volunteers for me are that's my heart. My heart is in the volunteers.
0: How much place. time do you spend
2: here? I don't now since COVID. I I've been here very rarely. Well, first of all, with Dad, I had sure. to be totally isolated, so I had to, and I'm still very afraid of COVID. I've been I've been vaccinated and everything, but I'm still so I haven't come back. Yet, but um, I'm starting to feel a little more comfortable, and um, so I'm hoping that in the fall I'll come back. And when I was before COVID, I was here every show. I I was just because I, I love it. I just love the place. <laughs> I
0: really do. It's just a great it's for good a good reason. Great, it's, it's a great gorgeous place. place. And, and yeah. you've done. i I'm just astonished by what yeah. you and your volunteers have done. It's a great story. I, I swear that I would have thought this was all professional restoration that had been done. Yes, and, and the yes. only thing professional was the ceiling from oh, what yep, you're The ceiling.
2: That's it, that's the only thing that we hired professional painters to, to do the ceiling yeah yeah we, we've been blessed and that's it's been as i said there's some mystic you know maybe the mystic in the middle <laughs> up there has has Somebody's watching us, over you. has kept watching over us and you know when we needed things those things things happen uh, i could in our early years there was probably five six times where we just were ready to throw in the towel and say mm-hmm. we don't have the money we, we can't keep going on how are we going to pay bills and all of a sudden somebody would donate money hmm. it was a like, you know we were ready to close one time specifically and somebody that we had no idea who they were left money in their estate to us it was like it kept us going what it was, a
0: miracle it was a miracle. Wonderful.
2: it was so those are you know great
0: well neil great lang courage. thank you so much for oh this it's tour. been my I, pleasure i, I will, pleasure. really appreciate it i'm so it. glad
2: that you've chosen the river theater i it was God, as man. i
0: said when i started getting the idea to do this historical show places and i've been to the theater several times the first one that popped into my head was well, of course, the Riviera. Go, go look at that place. And, 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 it's if, and not disappointed. All
2: because you went to a birds concert back in the 70s. back in the '60s. <laughs> isn't that funny?
0: I, I, I was, I, I wasn't even born then. I was, I was a, I was a, a fetus. Right, it? right, yeah, right, right. You were just a dream, a
1: sparkle, a sparkle in your mom's eye. That's
0: right. your eye out or one or the other. Oh, never mind. That was our first in a series of historic showplaces in the western New York area. That was the Riviera Theater and I thank Neil Lang for spending a lot of time with me and talking about his family's work to restore the Riviera Theater. And of course, his family weren't the only ones. There were a lot of people who contributed to the rise of that beautiful gem in North Tonawanda so thanks for joining me I hope you appreciated it and enjoyed that trip down memory lane for the Riviera Theater and I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another historic show place to talk about until then this is RLTP's Off-Road with me Pete Pomisano